Good morning, everybody. Thank you all for coming and joining us here today. It's a good day for us to be able to be here and to celebrate the presence of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for coming and joining us here. If this is your first time with us, there should be a Connect card in the pew rack. If you'll take that and fill it out, let us know that you've been here. We would appreciate that. If you've got prayer concerns, things you need us to know, put it on that same card and we'll respond the way you want us to respond if you're joining us via live stream, welcome as well. We are glad that you are with us. You can go to the address you'll see on the screen and write us and let us know that you have been here. Let us know of prayer concerns that you have as well. But we're glad that you're joining us and we appreciate the fact that you are here with us. One announcement that we, a couple of announcements that we have that we need to make today is about February the 11th. Number one, we're going to be holding baptism on February the 11th. If there's anyone who would like to participate in that, if you've made a profession of faith and would like to join us in baptism, we would love to have you. If you'll get in touch with us and let us know, we'll try to include you in that. Had one call me at home last night wanting to do that, or one contact me last night wanting to do that. I had two this morning following our 10 o'clock or 945 service. So if you would like to participate, please let us know. We'll be glad to, to include you in that. Also on that same day, we're going to be having a, a Super Bowl lunch uh, right after the worship service. We'll be having soup and chili downstairs, and then we'll be taking some offerings for our blessing box. We'll be raising money for the blessing box and the work that it does. And so we invite all of you to come and be part of that as well. I appreciate you being here today. Let's join together in our call to worship. We come here to meet the Lord of life. We come here to worship and learn. We come here to grow in our faith and to be empowered for faithful service. We come here to ask God's glory and to be filled with all that God 
May our hearts and minds be open to God's leading that we may become stronger and more gracious in the living of our days. Holy God, I thank you for this day. And I thank you that Mike's supposed to be praying. You were doing a I'm so used job. to doing that. I forget that you're supposed to be doing it. Well, let's pray I'll, together. I'll catch, it, I'll catch it in a few minutes. Go ahead. So God, this morning as we worship together as your people, prepare us to be your sanctuary, the temple of your Holy Spirit. Reset our hearts. Reset our minds. Make us pure and make us holy. Fill us with your truth and, and make us into vessels fit for your presence. Bless us with the presence of your creating spirit, filling our empty hearts with love and compassion and joy as we worship you today. This is our prayer, and we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. We're so glad to see you. Thanks for coming out on a dreary day um, and being a light in this room. So we are coming into a time of worship. If you feel up to it, stand and sing along with this. If your body doesn't agree with the cold temperatures and the rain outside, then feel free to sit and sing along with us. But whatever, let's worship together. One, two, ready.
God, we thank you so much for these words and the reminder that when we close our eyes and we feel your love, we also see your face. And God, we thank you for the promise that we have that through all the hard here on earth, that one day we are going to be with you. And so God, right now we ask that the stresses and trials and frustrations and challenges of the week just disappear and that we are held safely in your hands. And that for the next few minutes, you quiet our thoughts and calm our minds so that we can focus on you. And we hear what you need us to hear and take away the messages for this week that we need to hear. And God, that we will go out and be a light to others for you. Lord, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Two weeks ago, we started a five-part series called The Five Practices of Fruitful Living. Our, our our small groups, our life groups, both the ones on Sunday and on our home groups are, are using this as a study, and I'm preaching on it because we really do believe that this can help us live fruitful lives, both in the good times of life and in the bad times of life. Two weeks ago, I talked about radical hospitality and how that, that particular practice is a key to making disciples, to growing our church, and to becoming the kind of Christians who are truly welcoming of everybody that wants to come and worship and meet Jesus Christ. Last week, I talked about passionate worship as one of the true keys that one of the ways that we express our love for God and one of the ways that we express our devotion to Jesus. This week we're looking at intentional faith development. This is the process of growing in our faith and becoming more spiritually mature than we have been before. I've said this before, but this is worth saying again. It's not just God's will that we be baptized and then stay in the kindergarten of the faith for the rest of our lives. If our spiritual lives are going to be strong, we have to work at developing our faith because mature faith creates devotion to Jesus. It creates unity in the church. It, it creates the kind of love that builds strength in the body of Christ, which is Christ's church. Our scripture lesson today comes from Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. We must stop acting like children. We must not let deceitful people trick us by their false teachings, which are like winds that toss us around from place to place. Love should always make us tell the truth, 
then we will grow in every way and be more like Christ, the head of the body. Christ holds the body together and makes all of its parts work perfectly as it grows and becomes strong because of love. Let's pray together. It's my turn now, so let's pray together. Lord, I ask you to let your spirit be upon us as we gather here. Open our hearts and our minds that we might absorb what you want us to learn and that we might be able to put that into practice as best we can. For it's in your name we offer our prayer. Amen. The third practice of fruitful living is basically discipleship, which is a Bible word for growing us in the faith. The literal translation of disciple means one who learns or one who follows. The implication is that following Jesus will help us to learn what we need to learn to grow strong in the faith. The reason that we highlight that is because we are Christians under construction. We're supposed to be growing in our faith from the foundation right up to the steeple. We are supposed to begin with Jesus, who is the foundation of our very faith itself. And then we're supposed to grow through Bible study, through trusting in the leading of the Holy Spirit, through learning the commandments, through obeying the teachings of Jesus, and then developing our own character by letting it meet up with and become unified with the character of Jesus itself. Why do we do this? We do it because too many church members have been saved by the grace of God, but they're also as shallow as a waiting pool when it comes to developing a mature faith. I used to know a pastor who fit that bill very well. He was actually the pastor of a mega church down in Georgia. And, and, and he was a guy who had a lot of gifts and a lot of talents. And he was very dedicated to trying to lead people to faith in Jesus. But every time I heard the man preach, I kept thinking over and over that this is superficial. It's, it's just very superficial preaching. It seemed like that he had gotten stuck in the faith somewhere along the line and he had never moved forward. Years after I met this man, I met the man who was his New Testament professor when he was in seminary. So I asked him about the guy, and I wasn't expecting what I discovered. The first thing that happened was this man's countenance just fell. He had known this individual well, and he was just, it, you could tell that he was, he was let down by this individual. He said, yes, I know him very well. He was one of the most talented ministers that I ever knew, and he had a deep and sincere faith, but he was highly insecure, and when it came to spiritual maturity, he was five miles wide and a quarter inch deep. He, had, he, he, he made some of the worst mistakes as far as theology that I had ever seen. He had no desire at all to grow beyond where he started. He went to seminary and he got his education because he needed that piece of paper to be considered by the churches that he wanted to lead. But this man became a Christian in the 1950s and he was determined to stay right where he started. Remember a story about a little boy who fell out of bed one night. His mother came in to check on him and said, Johnny, how'd you do this? He said, I don't know. I guess I just stayed too close to where I got in. That's what happens with us sometimes. We stay too close to where we got in. When it comes to developing our faith, too many people stay close to the starting line. 
They walk through the door of the faith, but they stay right where they started at the threshold instead of walking into Jesus and becoming stronger and and more faithful and, and bolder in their faith than they've ever been. In fact, the Bible tells us over and over and over that God wants us to grow in our faith. Our passage that we looked at today, we must stop acting like children. We are to grow in every way to be more like Christ, the head of the body. So let us stop going over the basics of Christianity again and again. Let us go instead to become mature in the faith. We must be like newborn babies who are thirsty for the pure spiritual milk that will help you grow in faith to salvation. God wants us to be intentional in our faith development so we can become mature in our faith. And he wants the church to do all that it can to help people grow in that faith. But there's a hitch to that, and we need to recognize it right off the bat. The church can help us develop our faith, but it can't make us develop our faith. If we're going to grow, we have to be intentional in trying to grow, which means We need to desire spiritual maturity. On several occasions, the Apostle Paul compared the Christian life to athletics. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, Paul said, Take time and trouble to keep yourselves spiritually fit. Philippians Philippians 2, 12 through 15, Paul said, I don't mean to say that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. What Paul is saying here is a lot of people start the race by by giving their lives to Jesus Christ, being baptized into the faith, but they stop running the race before the race is over. They get stuck and they just stand in one place. And when that happens... We never become spiritually fit for the journey. Or in Paul's words, we are like winds tossed around from place to place. We are not grounded so that the the winds of false doctrine cannot blow us from one place to the other. If you want to be spiritually fit and you don't want to be tossed around by the false teachings of others, you have to make the commitment to grow in your relationship with Jesus. You have to learn more than just the basics. Faith development is a process. It's pressing on intentionally with commitment, with determination. That's why Paul called it a race. You can't run a race without hard work. Now, I'm sure all of you can tell this just by looking at me, but I go to the gym on a regular basis. (laughs) At the last service, she broke out in loud laughter at that. It gave the rest of the room permission to laugh, though. I'll give you that. So she's not going to be back after this week, but it gave her the opportunity to to do that. I go to the gym on a regular basis, but apparently I need to go to the gym a lot more often than I am going because twice recently my granddaughter has looked at me and told me I was fat. Oh, now you give me a break. Adeline had a sleepover with us last weekend. When it came time for her to get a bath, Susan just happened to mention that Papa liked to take a bath as well. She did. Adeline said, Papa can't take a bath. He's fat. How does he fit in the tub? 
I took her home to her parents and took her out of my will. <laughs> if you want to know the truth, just ask a child. They've not developed a filter yet, so they don't know how to doubt anything but the truth. She drew a picture of me at Christmas, and it was a very sweet little picture, and she drew it very round, and she said, Papa, I drew this round like you. <laughs> I'm going home now. <laughs> Apparently, I need to go to the gym a lot more than I am going. But the problem with that is, I don't go to the gym because I thoroughly enjoy going to the gym. I do it because I need the cardio. I need to try to run the race. It is important for me to try to do this because I want to stay in the best shape physically and, and, and emotionally that I can during this period of my life as I get older. And on top of all of that, I was diagnosed with arthritis when I was 23 years old. If I don't go to the gym or I don't walk or I don't do something, then my joints start to get stiff. And the stiffer they get at this age, they're not going to get less stiff if I don't work out and keep them going. It's the same with our faith. If we don't develop our faith, we become stiff. We become unpliable. We, we see everything as, 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 as if it is being looked through through a narrow tube, and it's got to be just like it's always been, or it's going to be different. It's the problem that Jesus dealt with with the Pharisees. The Pharisees would not see a bigger picture of God than they had always been taught all their lives. They were stiff in their looking at, at, at God himself and in their teachings, and that made them just almost totally unwilling to hear anything that Jesus had to say to them. We need to not be stiff in our beliefs. We need to be pliable so Jesus can teach us new things every day that we live on this earth. And then on top of that, if we become strong in our faith, then we'll, we won't collapse when, when the struggles and the storms start coming to us in life. And you need to listen to this one, folks, because this is a truth if I've ever told one. The storms are going to come to everybody. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and, and beats against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on solid rock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The first thing you need to notice in this passage is the storms come to everybody. There are lots of lessons to be learned from this passage, and I may preach on this in the next few months, but there's one thing you need to see right off the bat. The storms come to everybody. doesn't matter if you're wise or foolish. It doesn't matter if you're prepared or unprepared. It doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa or Ted Bundy or somewhere in between those. The storms are going to come to everybody. And whether we collapse in those storms or we stand strong is going to depend on our faith development. Have we intentionally invested in developing a faith that will stand the tests of life? This past fall, I went with a couple of old college buddies on a, on a trip to Yellowstone National Park. We went to the Jesus Worldview Initiative Retreat. Both of my buddies are ministers. One's a Baptist minister, one's a Methodist. One of the, these two helped lead these retreats. One of the people that we met on that retreat was a man named Benny McCracken. 
Benny was the 75-year-old pastor of the First Baptist Church of West Yellowstone, Montana. Benny's been the pastor of that church for 25 years. West Yellowstone is a town that about, has about 1,200 permanent residents, but every summer they have 20,000 visitors a day come through that town because it's the western gateway to Yellowstone National Park. Benny is an interesting character, and, I, and I'm saying he's interesting and he's a character. You did bet your life on that. Benny spent most of his career as a prison chaplain in Arkansas, but Benny was starting to get burnt out doing that, so a friend of his suggested that he put his resume at the First Baptist Church of West Yellowstone, so he did, expecting to hear nothing from it because he was older by the time he applied there. They ended up calling him, and he's been the pastor there since 1998. What's interesting about Benny is Benny's legally blind. He's been legally blind since he was a teenager. He can see enough to get around, and he can even see enough to go on hikes in, in Yellowstone, but he can't see well enough to drive, and so Benny has ridden a bicycle to do most of his ministry ever since he's been there. Even in wintertime, when the temperature is below zero, and in a town that gets an average of 300 inches of snow every year, Benny puts snow tires on his bicycle, and he rides the plowed, plowed roads to go do the ministry that he's called to do in that town. Benny offer, has offered to retire from that church twice so they could call a younger minister, but they would have nothing to do with it. They emphatically said no. In fact, Benny is so beloved in that whole town that the town voted for Benny to carry the Olympic torch when it passed through West Yellowstone on its way to Salt Lake City for the Winter Olympics in 2002. Everybody in that town, everywhere we went, they knew Benny, including every park ranger that was at every entrance that we went to. We would pull up to the gate to go into the park, and they'd look into the car and say, Hi, Benny, who have you got with you this time? Almost every day of winter, Benny would go cross-country skiing in Yellowstone Park. And during the summer, he would volunteer to take people, uh, tourists on hikes, or he would guide the visiting mission teams that he hosted into that, that town every summer to work with the tourists that were there. Benny took those visitors on hikes to places that I would not even dreamt of going, and I can see very well he could not. Benny was the pastor to that entire region. He was the chaplain to all of the emergency services. He had taken that area through some of the worst events that they had ever had in their lives. But last year, Benny's wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And just about the same time, Benny started having trouble with his legs. And so Benny had just announced his retirement from the church when we got there. He and his wife were literally packing up their house, getting ready to move to Memphis, Tennessee, to be near his son and his daughter. And Benny was really struggling with this move. This was a very hard thing for him to do. And the fourth day that we were there, I, I went to Benny and I asked him how he was doing. And Benny said, this is the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. And that includes losing my sight when I was a kid. He said, I love it here. I love this church. I love this town. I love Yellowstone. And I can't tell you how much I dread leaving this place. But I know everything is going to be fine because Jesus is in Memphis just like he's in West Yellowstone. 
And Jesus can see us through anything, and he can make something good come out of it if we'll just let him be the rock of our lives. Those are the words of a man who has intentionally developed his faith. Benny McCracken is a man who's walked with Jesus even when he couldn't see the storms that he was about to face. But Benny walked in that town and he rode his bike through the joys and the sorrows of that community over and over and over. And those people loved him because he had done that. He met all of the difficulties that came to him with strength and with confidence. He made a difference in prison. He made a difference in West Yellowstone. And he's making a difference today in that retirement center where they have moved. Within just a few days, he was walking all over that community, meeting everybody he could. And he has an unbelievable knack for talking to people for just a few minutes and figuring out exactly what they need and what he needs to be praying for and how he needs to be ministering to them. Benny knows that he can make a difference wherever he is. He knows that he can make a difference in Memphis, Tennessee. He knows that he's called to make that difference because he knows that's what Jesus did. When Jesus was making his last journey to Jerusalem, when he knew that he was going to Jerusalem to suffer and die, he ministered at every step all along the way ministering to people, loving people, healing people, raising Lazarus from the dead. Even though he knew he was going to suffer and die, he never stopped doing ministry because he had a fully developed faith in his father. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. That's what Benny did. It's what we're called to do. Faith development is a choice. It's intentional, it takes commitment, it takes effort, it's not always easy. But if we'll choose to love Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and and if we'll choose to learn from Jesus and as much about Jesus as we possibly can, if we'll choose to walk with the Lord in the joys and the sorrows of life, we'll find the maturity of spirit to know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. How do we grow in this faith? We do it by joining a church that we trust and that we love, or by joining a small group where we can have fellowship and where we can have Bible study and where we can learn from each other's stories about how God has worked in us. We can do it through daily devotionals. We, we can do it through getting involved in the missions and the ministries of the church that we join. We do it by discovering our own spiritual gifts and by putting those to work for God. We do it by not settling for the easy answers to some of the hardest questions in life, but by putting our minds in gear to interpret the Bible and and interpret our lives through the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. We grow in our faith by choosing to try to live by the question, what would Jesus do? But most of all, we do it by starting at the starting line of the race by giving our lives to Jesus Christ in faith by saying Jesus come into my life forgive me of my sins and and help me to walk with you for the rest of my journey fill me with your spirit and help me to grow into the person that you've always wanted me to be that's 
the starting line. And the starting line is a call to run the race. Let's begin at the starting line and then let's run with Jesus. And let's do our best to build the kind of faith that can stand the tests of time and that can turn us into the kind of person that God's always wanted us to be. Let's pray. Lord, help us to know you well as we gather in this place. Fill your Fill our hearts with your presence, Lord. Help us to focus on you, to learn as much about you as we can, to become the kind of person that you would like for us to be by by making the commitment this day and every day to run the race of life and to learn as much as we can as we're going. The Christian faith is not a narrow faith. It is not seeing through a tunnel and seeing nothing beyond it. It is becoming more and seeing more, feeling more than we ever have and trusting you to take us through the good times and the bad times and then to turn them into something worthwhile. Give us the courage to start at the starting line with you, O Lord, to invite you into our lives and then help us to have faith that you'll take every sinner that comes to you and you'll turn us into the saints you hope we can be. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me, How could I boast 
of anything I've ever seen or done. How could I dare to claim as mine the victories God has won? Where would I be had God not brought me gently to this place? I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, took my place. Now I live and breathe in freedom. With each breath of life I take, loved and forgiven. Back with the That song was built off of the testimony of a bass singer by the name of George Yance. He was an individual who had a very colorful life before he met Jesus Christ. And he got up and gave his testimony one night, and he ended that testimony with that line, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And it turned into one of the, one of the most impressive songs that has ever been done in, in, the, in the field of gospel music. Thank you, Daniel, for doing that. He did a good job with it. If you come here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to be part of our baptismal time, come and let us know that. Write us and let us know it. Call us and let us know it. Whatever you want to do, but we would love to include you, and we hope that you would make that decision. If you want to join our church, let us know. We would love to have you here. This is a day when we are leaving this place to go into the world and to serve. Let us go as, as believers who are ready to serve. Let us grow to be the best that we can be. Now may the Lord bless and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace this day and every day now and forevermore. Amen. And I'm going to go to the gym now. So. <laughs>